what, so which plague would have you given in? Like <laughs> the first one. I I don't handle discomfort well, you guys. Hey everybody, I'm Ashley and I'm Kristen and I'm Meredith. We want to welcome you to Inspired Conversations, the podcast study of the book Inspired, slaying giants, walking on water, and learning to love the Bible by Rachel Held Evans. The book is available in paperback and audio, so please follow along with us. Even if you aren't reading, I think you'll still find this conversation beneficial in your own faith journey. Today, we're going to dive into this introduction of the book, Rachel's journey with the Bible and our own, and discuss why we think the book is going to be an asset to your brain and your bookshelf. Yes, Meredith and I are also leading an in-person and online study that coincides with the podcast. So we might be sharing a little bit of tidbits from our friends that we hear from there. And I don't know about you all, but I've definitely wrestled with the Bible and it's been a roller coaster. So I'm looking forward to discussing it. In her author's note, Rachel's very first line says, perhaps more than any other book I've written, Inspired is intended to be read, wrestled with, discussed, debated, and creatively engaged with in the context of community. So we will do our very best to be community for you as we read this book together. And we really need no help getting a debate started. Looking at you, Ashley. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I am excited for some work sanction time for me to chat and uh, with y'all, too, you know. Absolutely. (laughs) Rachel Tell Evans kicks off this introduction in a magical once upon a time feel. Once upon a time, the Bible was her childhood magic book that told epic tales of kings, queens, farmers, warriors, giants, and sea monsters. She learned to be brave like David, clever like Ruth, and charming like Esther. She was immersed in the evangelical culture growing up. As an adolescent, the Bible functioned as a handbook, telling her what to do, who to date, and the right decisions to make. Then, off to a conservative Christian college she went, where the Bible became an answer book, useful because it was right. It was the reason that Christians voted certain ways. Women weren't pastors, and they minded their necklines. But then she grew older. With a curious mind, she noticed things she hadn't before. Is the magic of the book really a divine blessing, or is it, in truth, a curse? She had questions her faith community didn't want her to ask. Many accused her of not being faithful enough, or that God had his reasons. But it only made it worse And for a while, she equipped herself with so much information around the Bible that she became a Bible bully, full of knowledge but little feelings that God was speaking to her from it. In this book, she's sharing her journey on learning to love the Bible again. She's still wrestling with a lot of questions, like we all do. And we get to dive into this story with her. Thanks for that setup, Ashley. I think what would be really fun right now is if we each shared our own version of our Once Upon a Time Bible stories. Yeah. Give us a little background. It'll dive into what each of us are about and where we've come from. All right. Looks like I'm up first. Great, Meredith. Get us started. I will. So I'm not the most concise person, so I apologize (laughs) for this. You're expressive. You're a storyteller. Let's go with that. All right. Here we go. Once upon a time, there was a girl who had a crazy, adventurous, vivid imagination. She loved to read fantasy and adventure stories. She loved to look in picture books and imagine the lives of the people in them. Her family was deeply religious. For many generations, her family had served God as missionaries in foreign lands and as pastors in various churches and denominations. She grew up knowing that God was powerful, 
When she was struggling as a child with crippling nightmares and scary thoughts, her pastor told her to pray out loud because God was mightier than any scary thing her mind could conjure up. And it worked. God was like her own personal knight, defeating the evil ghouls that lurked in her dreams and in the shadows. She learned from a very young age that God loved her, that God would always love her, that God loved everyone, and that God would always love everyone. As she got older, she began realizing that not everyone felt the same. She noticed that they said they did, but their words and actions didn't show it. When a friend of hers in middle school came out as gay, she watched as both his and her friends from church attempted to shame him into being straight. She watched as these same friends shunned him when he couldn't change who he was. She watched as her friends slipped into depression and self-loathing. She felt anger. Not anger at those who caused this descent, but anger at God. But her anger scared her. God was all-powerful, and she knew we should never challenge God. So she suppressed her anger. She continued to go to church every Sunday, attend every youth group meeting. She even became the president of the youth council, but her heart really wasn't in it. Right before graduation, she watched as her denomination split over the issue of homosexuality, and she and her family left their home church. Her anger continued to grow. When she went to college, she found freedom from the expectation of going to church. She partied. She rebelled in her own way, but she still felt the pull from the church. Or maybe it was from God. Finally, after a few years of this, she gave in to the pool and went to see a pastor of the same denomination that she'd grown up in. She was completely honest with him. She unleashed her anger. How could an all-powerful God who loves everyone allow such meanness and hurt and stupid political garbage in the world? And in God's own name, too. How are we expected to be faithful to that? The pastor listened and told her to tell God. He gave her many ways to talk to God and to be able to listen in return. She did this, and after a while, her perspective changed. Her anger toward God diminished. She began to view denominations differently. She began to view the Bible differently. She began to view her role in the world differently. Over the years, she found herself going from being angry at and avoiding God to being God's servant. She still questions the Bible. She still is appalled at things that Christians have done in the name of God. She still reads the Bible and fumes at times. But she knows that God listens and that God guides. Her anger and her questions don't scare her anymore. That was great, Meredith. Oh, that was really good. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people are going to be able to relate to that. Yeah. Ugh, I love imagining you as a little kid, too. <laughs> Because we know lots of fun stories about all the things you're into as a kid. And I can just see it in my mind's eye. Ashley, I I feel like you would have liked Child Meredith. I think we would have been friends. I think so, too. We would have watched what was Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman together. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I was thinking we would have established our own Dungeons and Dragons guild. But, you know, it's fine. I would have been so accepted so much earlier. (laughs) (laughs) My... My story does not include anything about Dungeons and Dragons, but like it should. I'm shocked. Yeah, that's disappointing. I know. I'm sorry. All right, Ashley. We'll bring it up later then. Let's hear what you have to share with us then. All right. Here we go. Once upon a time, there was a little girl who lived in many places. And then for the first time, she lived in one place. Living in one place meant that she could have her very own room, a yard to play in all day, and her very own cat. 
One day when her mother needed a break from all the fun, she decided to visit a local place that was offering time for kids to play and moms to get a time to talk. It was so much fun that they went back week after week. Then, one weekend morning, when they usually watched cartoons, they decided to get up, get dressed, and go back to that place called church. It quickly became their weekend thing, and after a bit, Dad even came too. Church became their little home on the weekends, and later on, Wednesday nights too. The little girl made friends just like her, and she got to spend time with young adults and youth who were inspiring, kind, and taught her all about the Bible. She watched Veggie Tales, laughed at funny stories, prayed with and for friends, and competed in memorizing Bible verses. She hated that part. Then, one year, when summer came, she got to go to a church camp all by herself for a whole week. It was the best week ever. They played games, slept in bunk beds, played pranks, read the Bible together and apart, sang songs and stayed up late. After nights of singing, praying, and reading, she felt God call her name. She decided she wanted to follow God forever and make a life that pleased God. Sunburned and tired, the girl went home from camp and wrote postcards to her camp counselors for the rest of the summer. The girl went home feeling closer to the Bible and God than ever. It guided her, encouraged her, and made it easy to spot potential friends, and a few you shouldn't be friends with, too. Church and the Bible helped her find almost all of her friends all the way through school and on into college. But it was there, away from her home, her church, and people who looked just like her, that she was asked and asked some questions of herself about the Bible, questions she had never heard before, and she didn't have any great answers. That felt pretty bad. It felt like suddenly learning that an old friend wasn't who you thought they were. But she still tried to live her life to make God happy. Along the way to now, she met more friends, the same way as before, but this time they had more questions and some answers or ideas, too. She found little corners and coffee shops to stake out with kind friends who didn't look like her at all, and tried to become reacquainted with her once distant friend, the Bible. And it was like she came to know her friend better than before. After all, it's once we know someone's flaws and strengths that we can truly deeply love them. So, to this day, the little girl lives and loves to make God happy. But if you ask her, she'll admit that she still very much is getting to know her friend the Bible, and some days she has no idea what to think of her or the people who claim her as a friend too. And she feels like that's okay. Love and friendship are a process. And they should just keep on growing. That's beautiful, Ashley. I love, I love the idea of not or feeling like you didn't know your friend the Bible as well mm-hmm. as you thought you did. Yeah, I think that we can all kind of relate to that when we're it's put in our face and we have that moment of wait, no, mm-hmm. that's not what it is, mm-hmm. or is it? Right. Oh no, everything I know is shaking. Exactly. But then as you uncover more of it you actually grow closer to it. Mm -hmm. So that's really special. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what was your favorite VeggieTales? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Put you on the spot. If I burst into some silly songs with Larry, would you be able to sing along? (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Especially uh, Barbara Manatee. (laughs) Who is Manatee. We hope everyone out there is getting a good throwback. (laughs) Yeah, I would love to say that I know all of this because of my time working in children's ministry, but that would be a lie. I just love (laughs) vegetables. I know. 
yeah, no. I mean, I think I've watched Veggie Tales. You know how when you sh- you pull up stuff that you watched as a kid and you try to show them to kids now and it doesn't always hold up? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it gets a little awkward. It gets a little weird. Yeah. And kids are like, why are they being so weird? Yeah. It's like, well, because mm-hmm. we accepted this level of entertainment as children. Why is there Correct. a tomato <laughs> Correct. hanging out in the Bible? Uh-huh. Although my kids do appreciate, they do laugh at the cucumber pickle oh, yeah. dilemma in there. <laughs> they still laugh at that. Yeah, no, that that's just good. Yeah, that's, that's just, just good humor. Good, I mean, good old-fashioned yeah. humor. I just love how bad this the, the CGI animation is. Oh, I know. Good. <laughs> but it was amazing at the time. Yeah, it was so good. All right, Kristen. ourselves. Okay, I'm up. All right, here's my Once Upon a Time story. Once upon a time, there was a girl that was born into a family divided among Christian denominations. Her mother was raised Catholic and her father Methodist, but they could never truly agree which church was right for their family. The girl grew up reading children's Bible stories with tales of fish and fishermen, but wasn't exactly sure how true these tall tales were. She knew God loved her, and she was told that the Bible told her so, but she wasn't exactly sure what verse that was or where any verses were for that matter. Then the girl grew up, she became a teenager, and she wanted a closer connection to God. She converted to Catholicism and listened to the priest read from the gospel each week and share stories about Jesus and his homilies. She still didn't know exactly where those ancient tales existed, but she was fearful to learn more about them since she had been told that the God of the Old Testament was a vengeful God and an angry God. That wasn't the God she knew, so she avoided diving too deep into those stories so they wouldn't disrupt her faith. Then the teenager grew up, got married, and became a mom. She also married someone from a different denomination, but they were determined together to find the right church for their growing family. They found the Methodist church, and it was only a matter of time before the woman found herself actually reading the Bible, the good, the bad, and the beautiful parts. It was still complicated and uncomfortable at times. She still couldn't reconcile all the violence and genocide and talking animals and large fish but she had better resources to, and support this time. She had supportive pastors, church friends, and books. She read all the books. While she still struggles with the Bible at times, she feels comfortable in the belief that God intended us to wrestle with it as part of our own faith journeys. And the woman hopes she can impart that same wisdom to her own children. Mm. Thanks, Kristen. You're oh. welcome. I think that you have such a, I mean, obviously unique background but i think also in so many ways your background is the background of so many methodists mm-hmm. we hear so often you know well i was catholic and my husband was baptist or i was you know episcopalian and my husband was catholic and so we became methodist i know <laughs> but i love so it yeah. I, I love though that it shows that methodism is what we really want it to be and that's kind of the middle mm-hmm. the middle of the road and the meeting place mm-hmm. It is. And it's become even more beautiful as I've gotten to learn more about it between just the grace filled beauty of it. Mm -hmm. That is Methodism. I just have always needed that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I think it's really helpful going into these conversations for everyone listening to have some background knowledge on us and our experiences. I mean, we know each other pretty well, but even hearing some of that was new information for me, which was really fun. Now, those listening know that we will bring a lot of diverse perspectives to these conversations. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we'd love for you to try this exercise at home on your own. It's one of Rachel Held Evans' creative ideas for engaging with the Bible. Yeah, and she has one of those for, I think, every chapter, right? Yes. So we'll get to do those together. And we can link the study guide in our show Mm -hmm. notes. So you can go and follow along with us. 
I really identified with the skipping over the parts that were kind of harder. Mm, I don't like those. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I found I've, for years and years I found myself doing that. And then I feel like the longer you do it, the worse it is when it all comes back up a little bit too. Absolutely. But like that definitely has a lot to do with my experience other other than just trying to find the weirdest stories yeah that was the other thing to do okay so speaking of that mm -hmm. what's everyone's hardest story that they don't like to read that's difficult (laughs) so speaking not only from uh my own personal perspective and not only from the perspective of a mother but as the perspective of a children's minister i hate teaching the plagues the 10 plagues of egypt i hate it there is no way that i have found and i'm sure that chris will chime in Mm -hmm. he'll come to my Mm -hmm. office and tell me well actually here's a great way which (laughs) is wonderful i've never found a way to teach it that is not just horrible no the boils oh Mm -hmm. my gosh no i remember being a little kid and learning that in sunday school and crying to my mom and saying that means that my brother would be dead. And she was like, oh, gosh, okay. <laughs> I just took oh. that real deep there. Yeah. Okay, so which plague would have you given in? Like <laughs> The first one. <laughs> the first one. <laughs> I, I don't handle discomfort well, you guys. I am... Last week. I gave in last week. Yeah. The snowstorm, the yeah. no heat, I was out. We were done. We're I am done. Miss First World Problem over here. So, yeah, that... Ooh. I, I feel like one. I could handle frogs, but I don't. Think, oh yeah, I don't think I could handle the 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 locusts. Mm. The like whole like bugs everywhere. Yeah, I don't like no, bugs. You've no. ever been somewhere like on a mission trip or something where right. there's just crickets, and you have to have that everywhere? mosquito net around you to yes. sleep and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. no. I think, I think the Nile turning to blood would have been a little much oh, for me. They, yeah, that would have been mm-hmm. weird. Mm-hmm. I'm out, guys. I'm Today out. though, people would have explained that away. Sure. Sure, sure. <laughs> it would have been like, uh, it's not blood, actually. It's a clay from up. Uh-huh. Well, I'm thinking of the scene from uh, The Prince of Egypt. Oh, such oh, a yes. movie. Great movie, guys. Watch it if you haven't, but yeah. Oh. Now I'm going to have the power of Raw stuck in my head for the rest <laughs> of the day. <laughs> All right, Ashley, what what makes you uncomfortable? Um, I, I think it's a really interesting story to read, but I just, I've never been able to reconcile it. The story of Job. Oh, right. yeah. So, like, I know, like, stuff happens, and it's a, it's good for, you know, preparing yourself for the worst and blah, blah, blah. But mostly God's just playing casino bets with Job's life. Yeah. Like, with the devil. Like, they're kind of like, just, nah, my bro's cool. He's he, he's not going to fall. Well, I bet that he will. I'm not, we'll go for it, man. Mm-hmm. It just sounds like... It, it's <laughs> you made God and the devil sound like frat boys. <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of how it seems. I mean, seemed. I'm just like, why are we doing this? Yeah, no, I we heard that in our class this morning. Yep, Job was definitely brought up, mm-hmm. and I told the story about how, like, two years ago, I gave in to doing one of those Bible app. Let's read the Bible for a year. Oh yeah. And when I got to Job, I was out. You quit. <laughs> I did. I remember that. I was so sad. <laughs> I mean, I actually, I don't know if Chris has done a Bible in. 50 that's explained it in a better light for me mm-hmm. so it's not as um hurtful yeah but i i don't like it yeah i, I think because it seems avoidable is why it, it's it's sure. not like something happened and then all like it's like right, right. god had a conversation with the devil uh-huh. <laughs> about like a contest i don't yeah. know but i I, get it. I do like the message it is saying because it's saying in one aspect like um good works 
mm-hmm. don't necessarily mean good things happen. Right. Like, no. sure. Horrible things happen to you, and that does not mean that you performed a horrible sin. Right. Right. And Which was that's a bad theology. Yeah. That exactly. But uh-huh. such a prevalent form of theology in the yes. Bible. I mean, even in the New Testament. Oh, you're blind? Oh, you must have done something to deserve right. that. What did you right. do? Yeah. Ooh, you have leprosy? Mm, you must have deserved you that somehow. You haven't tried to heal yourself, have you? <laughs> you have not prayed hard enough. No, I it's, know. It's, it's, Health care is not great in the Bible. We're just, <laughs> there's a little lack of medical knowledge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which we'll see. Um, so that's interesting. And I, I would say mine, mine's all the violence. Mm-hmm. So especially when it gets to genocide and... Yeah. Jericho and yes why does everybody except for the one family that hides why mm-hmm. do they have I I understand they're really bad people like that I don't want to read what all they've done because I know like mm-hmm. they've done really bad things sure mm-hmm. but it's really hard for me to hear that God told them to go kill everyone sure yeah well and like you I mean like Ashley said uh reading that story for me I'm kind of like wait no that's not the God I know mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. not what God does mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I have that moment where I'm like I jump to like hyper defense mode instead of taking a step back and trying to view it in a different light, mm-hmm. which well, yeah. can be hard. The cognitive dissonance that yes. can happen while you're reading the Bible, unless you're like prepared for that con- cognitive dissonance, which I think lots of great pastors are good with like helping people with, um, like Chris and his Bible in 50 and Absolutely. stuff kind of plays that out. But so if you just go at it <laughs> without prep, it does, it, it gives you a lot of really conflicting messages that mm-hmm. just straight up don't make sense. Yeah, we'll <laughs> put next to each other. Right now, now that we've talked a little bit about us and our backgrounds through our stories and our opinions on different things, um, for y'all, what were some crucial turning points in your experience with the Bible? Did you ever spend some time, like, actually deconstructing your faith um, during that process? Um, yeah, I think for, for me, I talked about it a little bit in the class this morning. Um, but as you heard in my story, uh, I had a lot of anger, which I think your stories were so happy and <laughs> wonderful and like beautiful. And I was like, I was so angry. <laughs> I'm an Enneagram three. I don't sit in the uncomfortable. Yeah. You, you know, that's how, how I roll. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a one. We get a lot of anger. Uh, no, so I had, you know, I did. I had a lot of anger um, specifically around not feeling like I could question and mm. not feeling like mm-hmm. I should have doubts. I should be stronger than this than to have these doubts. Um, and my crucial t- turning point um, that I mentioned in my story was in college. And um, it was actually very, very bizarre how it happened. I um, had not gone to college for almost three years. And um, this one day as I was walking on Northgate, I went to A&M. So those listening know Northgate, you know, there's lots of restaurants and bars and stuff. It was during the day. So I was not bar hopping, but <laughs> I was walking, I was walking on Northgate and I literally bumped into a pastor and I knew he was a pastor because he had on the collar mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just apologized. And he, I don't even remember how the conversation started, but he asked if I had a church home. And I was like, oh, my gosh, here we go. And I, <laughs> and I said, no. And he invited me to University Lutheran, which I grew up Lutheran. Um, and so I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. And then maybe, I don't know, I don't know the timeline. A month later, let's say, I ran into him again. Oh. And he rem- he didn't remember my name, but he remembered me and said, hey, 
good to see you. And I was like, oh, gosh, this is awkward. Okay. <laughs> and then the weirdest part was I was in the Dallas-Fort Worth DFW airport. No. Like, huge, huge airport. No. And he literally was sitting behind me at my terminal. And I, oh, I recognized him. Wow. I turned and saw him. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I kind of tapped him. And he recognized me. And so then I kind of had that moment where I was like, okay, this is definitely. You're supposed like, to talk God to God. I, is I can take a hint. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, God, I can take Took a three hint. times, Meredith. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, look at that. Three times. That's my magic number. Right. Um, but so anyways, I went. And I just started out, like I said in my story, just by going and talking to him. And mm-hmm. just saying, look, I hate this. Mm-hmm. Here's all the things that I don't like about the Bible. And that I don't like about God right now. And la, 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 la. I basically mm-hmm. word vomited. And he sat there and listened to all of it. And he was so calm and just, there was no, I expected to get, no, we don't talk like that. Right. right. You don't think. And he just kind of listened and said, yeah, I get it. Absolutely. Have you told God that? And I was like, well, no. I mean, yeah, whatever. Uh, and it just, he he helped me see, and I'll never forget the conversation where he told me, you are reading the Bible very literally. And that's causing you to have a lot of anxiety. Mm. And he was very outright in saying the Bible was, well, divinely inspired, was written by people. Mm -hmm. And he said, you cannot read all of these stories literally because, yes, then God is constantly contradicting God's self. And you're going to have a lot of anger and anxiety about it. He said, instead, when you read the Bible, and I'll never forget this, read the Bible and read the stories. And instead of reading it literally, Look for what does this tell you about who God is? Mm, mm-hmm. And that has stuck with me all the way through my uh, you know, adulthood, but into my job now. When I teach everyone's children, that is what I always try and get to is, okay, guys, what does this tell you about who God is? I know that this story is a little weird. Yeah, there's a donkey that's talking. I get that that's weird. But what does this tell you about right. who God is? Mm-hmm. That I love that. That's so powerful as a mom to hear that. Like I get teary-eyed thinking about asking that question instead and a way to talk about it. Because you're right. Because we all get hung up on like, was it a whale? Was it a fish? Right. Mm-hmm. How'd Jonah get in the belly? How do you survive in the belly? Right. And it's like, that's not the point mm-hmm. of Jonah. Right. And so that is a such a unique perspective to add to that for sure. Yeah, that's so true. And for y'all, just for the benefit of everybody, as we like talk about this and get started with this podcast, because I feel like it's going to come up a lot. What is y'all's definition for deconstructing faith? What does that mean? Just for the benefit of people who haven't heard of that process. That's a really good question. I, I don't know if in my head, I guess I look at Rachel Held Evans as an example of how she deconstructed where she took that literal knowledge she thought she was living into the Bible and then had to completely undo mm-hmm. that and then build it back up into this more of a the book is a literature, the book is not necessarily just handwritten by God. Um so for me it's really when you're taking your faith and you're completely unraveling the firm ideas mm-hmm. or values at the core. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me it's uh, what is my faith in? Is mm-hmm. my faith in the stories? Is my faith in the writings? Or is my faith in God and God's character? Mm. Um, and I always have to go back to know my faith is in God and my faith is in God's character. And what does the Bible tell us about that? Mm-hmm. What yes. does the Bible tell me about that? What about you, Ashley? One of the, I can't remember the book, but there was a book I read at one point that talked about the process of deconstruction and reconstruction as um taking apart a Lego Mm -hmm. set Mm -hmm. that you've already finished 
Yeah. <laughs> and putting all the colors in the same group. Oh, wow. And trying to see, why do I have so much red? Why do I have so much blue? What is it about this curvy piece that I love so much? What yeah. What is that build? What And kind of analyzing what all the pieces are before you decide to put it back together. Because what if you wanted to put it back together a little differently um, based on the information that you that you learn that's amazing Mm -hmm. i love that that's a really interesting way to look at it too because it's like the pieces might still fit Mm -hmm. because i'm sure when you're constructing it backed up it doesn't mean that all the legos go back into your new (laughs) right building right when you take a car apart you're always left with a couple of pieces yeah it's real weird (laughs) you didn't didn't really need that screw did you yeah never never actually needed it It was was extra well and that that came up this morning um somebody mentioned that it was fascinating growing up seeing how the stories changed and how they impacted differently as you grew. Um, and it really kind of brought to brought to light, you know, why we call it the living word, because mm-hmm. it, it affects you differently at different stages in your life. You see things differently. You recognize parts that you didn't before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we talked a lot about how when, as a mother, someone talked about how she reads that differently and how it helps her understand the perspective of being a mother and what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the Bible, mm-hmm. I have a few words I want us to think about. Okay. Inspired, inerrant, infallible, trustworthy, authoritative, sacred, oppressive, and outdated. Okay, thinking of those words, do any of them strike you as an appropriate way to describe the Bible or are any of them like, let's just throw those out? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's crazy. I feel like I've explored all these words in my, my life up until this point. Have yeah. you? Which which ones ring? Which ones are you hearing loudly? Well, uh, some I associate with my childhood for oh. some reason. You know, like um, um, inerrant, mm-hmm. um, authoritative, sacred. Um, you know, those are all things that I feel like people couch with the Bible. And then the other ones, oppressive and outdated. I've heard outdated from people I've had discussions with the Bible about, but everything else, I feel like I felt that at one point in time. But I'm I'm leaning back towards trustworthy <laughs> and inspired myself. Yeah. Yeah, I think, Ashley, like you, um, even though I grew up Lutheran, I grew up in the Deep South mm-hmm. in Alabama and Georgia, and uh, we had a lot of Southern Baptists around us. And so yeah. we, we heard inerrant and infallible mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but growing up Lutheran, we really, really value our scripture. And mm-hmm. so sacred was something right. that, I mean, you never questioned. It was sacred and absolutely divinely inspired. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of hard for me. I think that, yes, like you, I'm going to say, trustworthy is what I'm going to lean on. Um, again, trusting in God and Mm -hmm. God's character. Mm -hmm. Um, and also inspired just because, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm really interested to read more in this book and see what Rachel Held Ovens has to say about, you know, it being inspired. What about you, Kristen? I love inspired too, Mm -hmm. because it doesn't mean that there can't be flaws. And, Absolutely. and that feels comfortable to me. Mm-hmm. The rest of them, I would, I just, I, sacred also growing up Catholic, mm-hmm. it was very much a sacred book, which I still feels holds true, but I just love that inspired. Mm-hmm. I, I love the, I love the way you put it, that it can still have flaws. It can still have flaws. I think that's absolutely accurate. Well, for our final question that we'll conclude each episode with, mm-hmm. what has been your biggest takeaway from the intro? Okay, so here's my biggest takeaway just from the intro. Just because you struggle with the Bible doesn't mean that you don't have strong faith. 
I don't necessarily know how I feel about all the stories, but I know how I feel about God and Jesus. Mm. I also take away that it doesn't have to be scary to unpack these Bible stories. Just because historical facts can't back up a story like Jericho, it doesn't mean that it still isn't an important story to my faith. I just need to do some digging to understand why that story was written and how it applies to me today. Mm-hmm. Very, very well put. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I love that she started with a story. I think, mm-hmm. you know, even with my story, I identify so heavily with this narrative of this ongoing friendship that I have with God and with the Bible. And so I, I really appreciate the that it's not over. Yeah. Um, it's still all happening. We're all still figuring it out. We're still looking at things. Even even how we examine the Bible is still changing and, and expanding. And yeah, she left a lot of that open that made me feel really comfortable. I liked that. I really appreciated uh, that just like Kristen said, that the, the Bible can have flaws and still be beautiful and still be wonderful and relevant. Um, I loved reading her story and seeing that she admits to a lot of her flaws and a lot of her flaws that she thought were right at the moment, you know, being a Bible bully and mm-hmm. all of these things. And it just, it felt so comfortable for me because uh, I I often like to, once I get past a certain stage in my life, I like to pretend that that stage never happened. I'm like, right. oh, yeah. I never right. went through that emo phase, guys, you know, <laughs> but I loved being able to own it and say, yes, I've been there. Oh my gosh. And mm-hmm. she's been there too. And she's so brilliant and obviously has such great faith. Mm-hmm. It made me feel so much more comfortable knowing that my story is not the only one mm-hmm. that uh, we've all struggled. Oh, I love that. And I think that that's, we're just going to get more of, of all this good stuff as we keep going. I mean, this is just the introduction. So I'm oh, really, man. I'm really excited. Uh, I am too. To I'm so excited. Yes. Next week we dive into the temple and origin stories. Nice. I'm excited. Yes. That's so we're going to get a little bit meatier. Mm-hmm. We're going to need you to bust out your Bible maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some Genesis in here. Watch out. <laughs> Love me some Genesis. Well, that's about how much time we have for today. So let's check out cmc.com backslash inspired for details on where you can purchase or check out the book and read along with us. We'll have the link to that study guide that we're going to be going through up there on that page. Um, And if you have any questions or reflections or stories to share, please email me at ashley at cumc.com. That's Ashley with an (laughs) L-E-Y. And we'll be excited to share them on our next episode. So thank you so much for joining us and for being with us as we walk through this story together. We'll see you next week. Looking forward to it. Bye, y'all. Thanks for joining us for this podcast episode. As a part of the Christ United Podcast Ministry produced by Ashley Danner, you can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to view our full listing of podcast series. Like, subscribe, and follow so that you don't miss a single message. Thanks for supporting us. Have a great week.